I cannot believe that after five and a half years, we are bringing the biography of Jesus, according to Matthew, to a close. Now, the, um, hands up in your location. Obviously, I can't see you, but I, just for the sake of each other, put your hands up, put them up high, and hold them up. If you have been here since the beginning of this series, if you've been at Southridge for five and a half years, you were here the first Sunday we preached Matthew. Put up your hands, put them up. Now, those of you whose hands are not raised, take a look around the room at your location there. Uh, those are the people who should look a lot more like Jesus than any of the rest of you. So uh, if they don't, you can judge them later. Uh, I remember five and a half years ago, six years ago, probably sitting in Jeff Lockyer's office and us having a conversation and said, what would happen if we just took a long, slow look at the life of Jesus? We just, we didn't hurry but just kind of put Matthew, put the life of Jesus on this slow burn and sat in the life of Jesus for as long as it took. What would happen in our community? What would that experience be like? And I don't know what your experience has been like, but this has been a profound experience for me. Changed the way that I look at Jesus and think about um, Jesus. But it brings us now to the question this morning after 120 sermons in Matthew, what do we do now? Right? I mean, there's a logistical question that, you know, starting now, we're not going to say open up to the gospel according to Matthew anymore. So what do we do now? Like what? And we've got some ideas that we're going to talk about for the fall. But, but there's, almost, there's a life question. What do we do now? After all that we've heard, after all that we've seen, after listening to the teachings of Jesus and watching who Jesus is and watching what he does and watching his death and resurrection, what do we do now? And that's exactly the question that the disciples were asking themselves at the end of Matthew chapter 28. In the series, we've been talking about the stories of the resurrection of Jesus two weeks ago, talking about the reality, what resurrection really means. And then last Sunday, um, talking about the, the uh, rationality. Does it make sense to put your faith in the idea of something as preposterous as resurrection? By the way, the ice storm killed me last week. And I was so excited to share that talk with you last week. And especially for people who struggle with doubt sometimes like I do, especially in the resurrection. I, I just thought that message could maybe really help. So I know a lot of you have engaged with it online. But if you haven't watched a message and you're someone who struggles with doubt, go online and watch the message. And uh, maybe it'll help you too. But, but two weeks ago, we talked about how the women showed up at the tomb and they met Jesus. And Jesus says, go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. And that's exactly what happens. In Matthew 28, verse 16, it says this, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I wonder how many of us can sympathize with the place that the disciples are in. How many of us live some portion of our lives in the space in between some combination of worship and doubt? The disciples were doubting the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Was this really Jesus come back from the dead? They were doubting the truth. That was being presented to them. The, the word can mean uncertainty. I think the disciples were probably uncertain. About the, what Jesus was going to do when he saw them. They hadn't seen Jesus since they all abandoned him. On the way to the cross. Would he now reject 
them. Well, the word can mean hesitancy. I imagine the disciples were hesitant about what this means now. What do we do next? What does the death and resurrection of Jesus mean? And then in verse 18, Jesus comes to them. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It says three things in the text. But Jesus came to them. Sort of an act of restoration. It's an act where in the gospel of Matthew, people are always coming to Jesus. Jesus very rarely goes to people. Jesus comes to them. It's an act of intimacy. He moves towards them. It says, and speaking to them, he initiates relationship with them. It's an act of reconciliation. Notice there's no rebuke from Jesus about the way they've treated him. And then it says, this is what he said, all, have, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Um, this is what the whole story of Jesus has been building towards all the way through his life and his death and his resurrection the moment where because of Jesus the reign of God the kingdom of God the peace-giving love-filled kingdom of God would begin to spread across the whole earth where the the God's will will be done on earth just as it is in heaven because of Jesus and then Jesus says this he says therefore Therefore, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, because of the work that I've done, there is now work to do. Because of the mission I've accomplished, there is now a mission for you to accomplish. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple in the Greek language is a learner, or probably the best word we have in English is an apprentice. Go and make apprentices in the way of Jesus. What is an apprentice? An apprentice is somebody who commits themselves to submitting to the teachings and practices of a master so that they can enact and embody them in their own life as they participate in the community that gathers around that truth. That's an apprentice, right? If you're going to become a plumbing apprentice, you commit yourself and submit yourself to the teachings and the practices of the plumbing journeyman in order that you can enact and embody the life of a plumber in your life as you participate in the plumbing community. That's what an apprentice is. Jesus says, because of my life and my death and the resurrection, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, I want you to go and I want you to gather people into the community of Jesus so that they can learn of Jesus and live like Jesus and the community of Jesus can become a place of loving God and loving Loving people and loving the world. That's what I want you to give your life to. That's what I want you to go and do. The word go is an interesting one. In the Greek language, it's the word poruo. And in, it's actually in this text a participle, which means it should be translated with an ing. It's going, therefore, to make disciples of all nations. 
It's less of a command and more of a description of what the disciples are to be doing as they're going about their life, as they're going about their business, as they're going about their work, as they're going about their family life, as they're going about their recreation, as they're going about their education. They are to be going about their life in a way that invites other people to apprentice in the way of Jesus. The word actually has two definitions in the dictionary that I have. The first one is to move from this place to that place. It's about everywhere that you go in your going. No matter where you go, everywhere you go, be going in such a way that invites people to apprentice in the way of Jesus. It's, it's an intentionality about where we're going and it's an intentionality about how we're going. The second definition is a way of life or a way of conducting yourself. As you're going, everywhere that you're going, to go about your business, be going in such a way, live such a way of life that people will look at your life and say, I want to be a part of whatever that person is doing. He says, go in your going Make disciples. There's two parts of making disciples. And they're this. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Two things. The first is baptizing. Baptism is an act of initiation. It's an inviting in somebody who was not in before. That's what baptism is. We're baptizing 10 people across three locations this morning. That's what baptism is. It is a moment of initiation. It's where you sign up for the apprenticeship, right? Before you sign up for the apprenticeship, you can want to be an apprentice. You can even gear your life towards being an apprentice. You can start to move towards becoming an apprentice. You can shape your resume to become an apprentice. You can even begin on your own to learn the things you will be learning as an apprentice. But until you sign up, you are not yet an apprentice. Baptism is where you sign up to apprentice in the way of Jesus, which makes me think. There are folks in our community this morning, maybe who have never made a decision to become an apprentice under Jesus, to learn the teachings and practices of Jesus in order to enact and embody them yourself in faith in him because of his death and resurrection and what he's done for you. Maybe there are some who have already been apprenticing under Jesus, but you've never signed up. If you have never signed up to be an apprentice in the baptism tank, I need you to sign up today. Send an email to baptism at southridgechurch.ca. You're not committing to getting baptized. You're just committing uh, to starting a conversation about signing up. But the moment of baptism, the reason it's signing up is because you are confessing that you need to apprentice under Jesus. Right? When you sign up as an apprentice, what you're saying is, I am not currently a plumber. I don't know how to be a plumber. I can't make myself a plumber. I need somebody to take me under their wing and to make me into a plumber as we journey together in community. That's what baptism is. It's the moment of saying, I have not been loving God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. 
I have not been loving my neighbor as much as I love myself. And I don't know how to do that. And I can't do that all on my own. I need somebody. I need a community to take me under their wing and to walk with me towards becoming the person in faith in Christ that Jesus has made me to be. That's what baptism is. And we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We, we baptize, we join you into relationship with the Father. Because God the Father can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And that is deal with your sin and make you an apprentice of Jesus. We baptize you in the name of the Son, joining you in a relationship with Jesus because it is through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that you can become an apprentice under Jesus. We baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit, joining you in relationship to the Holy Spirit because it is only with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you that you will become the thing that you desire to be. And that is someone who is apprenticing in the way of Jesus. The first thing we do is baptism. The second thing we do, it says, is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything we've talked about for five and a half years, all of the teachings of Jesus that we've listened to, all of the ways that we've seen Jesus behave, the healing and the hope and the restoration that he's brought, the way he has opened his arms and embraced the poor and the forgotten, the ignored and the marginalized, everything that we've seen Jesus do, now go teach others to do. Go teach others to love God with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength, just like Jesus loves God. Teach others to love each other as much as they love themselves, just like Jesus loves people as much as he loves himself. Go and teach others to love the world as much as Jesus loved the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. It's teaching people to live like Jesus. Now, interestingly, Jesus does not say teaching them to believe all of the doctrines that I've explained to you. At its very core, at the very heart of what it means to apprentice in the way of Jesus, it does not mean making sure that all your beliefs are correct. Now, beliefs are important. Doctrine's important. Truth is important. And we continue to push to understand the truth more deeply. But understanding truth deeply is not the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. It just isn't. Because, spoiler alert, the stuff you believe is wrong and right, and the stuff I believe is wrong and right, and we're never going to get it right. Not entirely. Jesus' brother James once wrote that even demons, they're not atheists. They believe that God exists. It just doesn't help them because they're not prepared to live it. Jesus, says, Jesus doesn't say, go teach them to believe all the doctrines I've explained to you. He says, go teach them to obey all the commands I've been given you. That the heart of a life of discipling after Jesus is living in the way of Jesus, which is always only ever the way of love. Loving God and loving people and loving the world, period. That's it. That's the mission. That's what this is about. There is no other meaning to a life of faith than this. There's no other meaning to life than this. Than to live in such a way that our lives are inviting people to apprentice in the way of Jesus and then walking with them as we all grow together in the way of Jesus. That's the whole thing. So, what does that mean for us? What do we actually do? Two things, I think. The first is this we've got to learn to be the community we've become. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your good deeds shine out. When the Bible talks about good deeds, it's only ever always talking about love. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself. What Jesus is saying is the primary way that we draw attention to uh, to the way of Jesus is by living the way of Jesus in such a way that people are drawn drawn to Jesus. Jesus is saying, love God so passionately with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love God so passionately when we're together in worship and so passionately when you're living your life on your own that when other people look at your life and see you loving God, they say, my goodness, I need a part of what that person has. He says, love each other so deeply, so sacrificially, and so generously that when people look at your relationships with other people, they say, my goodness, he or she loves people the way Jesus loved people. He's saying, love the world like Jesus did, so passionately, so fully, so unconditionally, giving your life to the forgotten and the ignored, the poor and the persecuted, the ones who've been pushed to the side and forgotten. Love the world so deeply and passionately when people look at your life, they'll say, my goodness, they love the world like Jesus loved the world. That they're invited by your life. Your life becomes an invitation for people to apprentice in the way of Jesus. Now, in order to do that, by the way, your life has to be open to outsiders. Your life has to be open to people who are not yet already apprentices of Jesus. You have to have friends who do not profess to be followers of Jesus. Good friends, close friends, best friends who are not people of faith. Because how will you make apprentices in the way of Jesus of people everywhere you go? How will your life be an invitation to others if your life is completely insulated from anybody who doesn't have faith? We have to be who we become and we have to be it in a way that's open to outsiders. And then we have two jobs to do. The first is baptizing. The first is to be inviting people to consider becoming apprentices in the way of Jesus. Now I'm not talking about preaching on a soapbox. I'm not talking about knocking on doors, you know, handing out tracts at restaurants instead of leaving a tip for Pete's sakes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your relationships, in the way that you are opening your life to those who do not have faith and just living in authentic, vulnerable, non-awkward relationships, you will be sharing about everything that matters in your life. And since the thing that matter the most are loving God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, loving everybody else as much as you love yourself and loving the world, those are things that are gonna emerge in the conversation. And at some point in the dialogue of just being friends, you're gonna have the opportunity to say, have you ever considered Considered joining me in the journey of apprenticing my life under Jesus, learning to live in the way of Jesus. We have to be people who are inviting and we have to be people who are, are supporting, who are walking with. That's the, the teaching bit. Right after the inviting, after the person signs up for the apprenticeship in the baptism tank, then begins the journey of teaching them to walk in the way of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's walk with each other at, in living in the way of Jesus. Now, sometimes that's going to be walking with each other in encouragement. 
being each other's cheerleader and support, being the arm that people can lean on, the shoulder they can cry on. It means just being present with people as we together go on the journey of apprenticing in the way of Jesus. Sometimes it's going to mean confrontation. It's going to mean challenging people, speaking the truth in love. When you see someone you care about, making decisions that is taking them away from the way of Jesus. A couple of caveats on that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. First of all, it is not our business to judge people who aren't a part of the church. It is not the church's business to condemn the sin of the world. It's not. To condemn the sin of people who have never claimed to be followers of Jesus. It's not. By the way, Jesus said, I didn't come to the world to condemn anyway. It's not our business to condemn anybody ever. But even, Paul says, it is our responsibility to judge those inside the church. Now the word judge simply means to name something as right or wrong based on how I see it. That's what judging is. And we do it for those who are inside the church. In other words, with those with whom we have loving, trusting, safe relationships. Those who have authorized us to speak in this way in their life. We do it when we speak to people and not about people. And we do it by speaking the truth in love. Jesus says, be careful how you judge because you will be judged in the same way that you judge. And so I recommend that you be very merciful in the way that you call out sin in the lives of other people because someday somebody's going to be calling out sin in you. And depending on how you want that conversation to go, that's how you should do it with other people. But sometimes the point is we're going to be inviting people to consider signing up for an apprenticeship in the way of Jesus. And then for the whole rest of our lives, we're going to be walking together in community as we figure out what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. That's what this life is all about. And all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it is rooted in the authority of of Jesus. This whole passage begins with Jesus saying, um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's actually quoting from Daniel chapter 7 where it says this, he, the Messiah Jesus, was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of this world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. And his rule is eternal. It'll never end. And his kingdom will never be destroyed. Daniel says when the Messiah comes, he will be given an authority that is global and eternal and final. There is not a person alive on this planet today that Jesus does not long to invite under into submission to his loving authority so that the, the loving kingdom of God will spread further around the world. There is not a person who has ever lived in human history that, doesn't, that Jesus isn't interested in inviting into a relationship of submission to his authority so that God's will can be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And there is nothing in all of human history that will stop the kingdom of God from coming. Which means because of Jesus, because of his life and death and resurrection, because he is sitting on the throne of the universe, not as the king of the Jews, 
Not even as the king of the world, like Jack Dawson on the Titanic, as the king of the universe, as the king over everything. God's kingdom is coming in the world and it cannot be stopped. The tiny mustard seed of Jesus and his little band of hesitant, uncertain, doubtful disciples is now grown into a mighty movement, a mighty tree throughout two millennia of human history. The kingdom of God is coming on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is increasingly being done on our planet just the way God wants it to be, even though that's not how it always sounds on the nightly news. Because of the authority of Jesus, what started in the gospel as Matthew of Jesus rescuing his people from their sin has now become Jesus willing and wanting to rescue all people from their sin until one day he returns and he makes everything new. It is rooted in the authority of Jesus it is propelled by the presence of Jesus. In Matthew 28, 20, it says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus promises his abiding presence with us. It's Jesus' way of saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to do any of this on your own for one single minute. I will always be with you everywhere that you go. As in your going, you are going in a way that is inviting people to initiate, to begin an apprenticeship in the way of Jesus. I will always be with you in everything that you do. I will be with you. My powerful presence will empower you and be at work in you so that you can be the person you've become. So that people can look at your love for God and your love for people and your love for the world and they can know that God is at work in you. My powerful presence will go with you and it will be at work through you so that through your life, your life will become an invitation to others to enter into an apprenticeship in the way of Jesus by faith. And my presence will stay with you to the end of your life and to the end of human history. That's what we do now. We give our lives, all of it, to in our going about the business of our life, to be inviting people to enter into an apprenticeship in the way of Jesus and then walking with them in that way as we all learn together more deeply what it means for the kingdom of God to come among us and God's will to be done here as it is in heaven. And friends, this morning, 10 people across three locations are signing up for that apprenticeship today. Let's listen to their stories. <laughs> 